0: Kingsbury looks like he's in over his head coaching the National Football League. I know he went to the playoffs, and I know you can say injuries or whatever you want to call it to cover it up and mask it. He is in over his head in Arizona, and I don't know if it's the stress of hearing the noise coming down the stretch. and Sean Payton going golfing in Arizona? Is there a sighting in Sean Payton? All of those sort of things, because certainly they could have won that football game going away. They wind up surrendering and allowing the Chargers to get back in it and losing on a two-point conversion at the end of the game.
1: That is Keyshawn Johnson from ESPN Radio given his thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury, his thoughts that he's in over his head at this point. I don't think Keyshawn Johnson is alone. It's all complicated by the existence of that fat contract extension that uh, Cliff Kingsbury signed. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but uh, mm-hmm. in, 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 on Burns and Gambo they were discussing that. And we had, we had kind of poked around, hey, we haven't seen that contract. We don't know what the...
2: The, the details of that contract are gambo said yesterday on, on burns and gambo that that thing's fully guaranteed right um and i'm i'm not doubting that gambo was given that information i i'm i'm not sure if that information is accurate and and i say that because i had heard because any agent is going to say that right you are mm-hmm. you're not, not going to admit oh yeah by the way yeah i struck a deal where it's not fully guaranteed um, which would be interesting wouldn't it that that the, that the owner would be willing to give the head coach a five year fully guaranteed contract coming out of a stretch where he lost five of six games and, and yet the quarterback can't be fully guaranteed. Well so so there's that and the coach I, contract's not going well, up against the cap. No I know that. Yeah. I know that. But it's it, it's also to me uh, an instance where you know I'd heard rumblings that at, at one point in time Michael Bidwell was so angry mm-hmm. with Eric Burkhart that he kinda shut him out of that negotiation. Basically told Cliff, We'll get this done, but it's just you and me uh-huh. So I don't know. I, I don't know what's what with all of this because it would be really surprising to me that that a guy that's been reticent to spend money on players this year would be that reckless with a head coaching contract. So again, and I'm, I'm not doubting the fact that that's, that information is information Gamble has received. I'm not doubting that at all. Yeah. I'm just wondering, it would just be really surprising to me if, if Michael Bidwell did not put some sort of safety clause in there for his own benefit. Knowing what he should have known about the head coach, it is clear, and yes, coming out of that playoff loss, uh, there were widespread
1: reports about the dissatisfaction that Michael Bidwell had that he was you know you know i'm paraphrasing on a rampage after that, mm-hmm. was you know sparing nobody because of the disappointment, but something happened between then and March to completely convince Michael Bidwell that they were still on the right path despite that that second straight second half collapse for the cardinals and here we are now at four and eight going into a bye week and people like Keyshawn johnson are asking mm-hmm. these questions and Keyshawn johnson in that soundbite brought up the name of the hottest coaching commodity we've seen in the nfl in quite some time and that's a former super bowl winner in sean payton who there's you know daily rumors percolating about sean payton and where he's going to end up because he will end up back in coaching now, that those comments yesterday from Keyshawn Johnson came on the same day Sean Payton appeared on Colin Cowherd's radio show and, well, started reminiscing about <laughs> his time <laughs> and his connection to the
0: St. Louis Cardinals football team. I was a ball boy for this team. Back in, I'm going to date myself, but when the St. Louis Cardinals, before they were the Arizona Cardinals, their training camp was held at Eastern Illinois, where I went to school. And so the early years there in the... Eighty three, eighty four, eighty five. It was Hannafin, and then became Gene Stallings. Yeah. You know, we we clean the rooms, bring towels to the rooms. We'd have a summer what was job. Was the Neil Lomax team? Neil Lomax had just taken over for Jim Hart. Um, Mr. Bidwell Senior was the owner at that time, and and I I, I think I know that family well enough. And um, shoot, Joe Buck was. I was 18 or 19 and he was 16. He was there. And then finally, my junior, senior year, I handed out rosters and, yeah. and got to eat with the team, work for the team. All right, we know how these ball boy wow. stories work. Oh yeah,
1: how many times over the course of Larry Fitzgerald's career did you hear that he used to be a ball boy for the Minnesota Vikings, oh, yeah. uh-huh. which led people to believe at some point Larry Fitzgerald would go home and play for the Vikings? Well, if
2: you're a ball boy for a professional f- a sports team at a very young age, it's going to make a deep impression on you. It will. Th- there's no denying that. So there's so there's some romance and poetry suddenly to this story, and it's amazing that that you know, Sean Payton just throwing that out there has to be viewed as, yeah, I'd be interested in this, doesn't it? Because if you weren't, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd wax on that anecdote. No,
1: he definitely waxed on the anecdote. Sean Payton's a smart dude. Mm-hmm. He's keeping his options open. He's driving up his own stock by telling that story. He's got to realize that. And there was a follow-up, too, about this year's Cardinals, because Sean Payton, outside of football, now look working as an analyst and, and, and a guest. He's got his eyes all around the league. He was asked, hey, can this Cardinals team turn it around?
0: Is it solvable? Yeah, it's a good question. It's certainly more of a Rubik's Cube than it, a simple X and an O thing. I mean, this, this is it's pretty complex. It began to become complex when word got out about the contract. I'd like to say this is something that's a one-off, or, but this repeats itself every year. I mean, it's, and it's the teams that aren't having the success they expected. It, it's, it's frustrating when you lose. Um, man, you're, you're seeing it in Denver. You're seeing it in New Orleans. All these things build up, and they're, they're magnified when you lose. Well, no real concrete answers
1: there. Uh, I don't know if there is concrete answers.
2: Well, he did slip in there. It happens. It seems to happen every year.
1: Yeah. Well, there is Second that, Second half too. collapses. Well, then there's this other thing, and here we are going into the bye week, mm-hmm. and we talked about it in, in great detail yesterday. All the questions about the relationship between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, which popped up before the game, Ian Rappaport put out a pregame tweet about, oh, things are smoothed over. Well, Ian Rappaport was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, and he kind of added... Uh, what he's been hearing about the details of that relationship, focusing on the quarterback. I think it's always tense with Kyler. Like, I don't think, with Cliff's always very, like, he's works hard, but it's very chill. With Kyler, it's always tense. So, like, I know we all, I mean, including me, like, I did a thing on this this weekend. We're all kind of focused on that relationship. I would imagine it's going to be tense with any coach and Kyler because he wants what he wants. He sees what he sees. He's very
3: demonstrative about it. And he's kind of curt a little bit. Like, quick and, like... Come on, like it's he's very blunt. You know? short a, I wouldn't say I'm not i am not going to say <laughs> short
1: because he's also Whoa, Whoa. Whoa. He's also Whoa. A short. I not even, Ian's five four. You're five four. Let's let's remember that. Oh, look at Pat McAfee getting a shot in on Ian yeah. Rappaport. Yeah. Uh if obviously you couldn't see the video there, but he's I'm not gonna say he's short because he's also and he kinda gave the, uh-huh. the short sign. Uh huh. Again, I I just find it amazing that in year four, after both parties have been rewarded with big contract extensions, this level of uncertainty exists. And this has has the first
2: three plus years of this relationship answered any questions? It's it's so odd to me that early on in this relationship the organization went overboard protecting Kyler Murray's reputation from the likes of Bart Scott and from the likes of Brock Heward, Brock Heward and 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 denying all of that and now somebody in that organization is very loose-lipped about Kyler Murray. Wonder if uh John H. Barry
1: has written Kyler the emails. He <laughs> could,
2: could, right. could show up on his yeah. chair anytime no, soon. And and again, <laughs> it's like if 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 you if this stuff is coming from the team you, it, and and it, it, why did you give him the money if you really don't like him as a person or his character or what he's about? Why did you pay him? Yeah,
1: I mean, you see people get extensions based on hey, we think the ceiling is that, but you don't give two hundred and thirty million dollars. But if somebody's not. Where, if if, where, where you if,
2: if if you suddenly have a national football guy saying he's kind of uncoachable, come
1: on. There's so much more to get into on this, and we will get into it as the oh, show yeah. goes on. It's time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Today's Character Counts nominee is Mountain View High School senior Kaya De Silva. Kaya balances her family life and social life with a very busy academic career. Not only is she a member of the school's golf team, but she also ran for student council as editor-in-chief of the yearbook committee and is a member of the National Honor Society. Kaya also performs a lot of community service and even and, uh, received a varsity letter for her coverage of Toro Athletics. Following graduation, Kaya plans to attend Utah State University and pursue a career as a veterinarian, but will always continue to put her extra time back into her community. Uh, that is Kaya De Silva, today's nominee for Character Counts, which is presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating and Electrical, and they are looking for their next student-athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship. Text CHARACTER to 620 to nominate a student today. Coming up next, Suns get a big win in Sacramento that had Devin Booker's fingerprints all over it. But a unsung hero continues to deliver in the clutch for the Suns. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local
0: sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Booker into the fourth court, gets a pick from DA. Now gives it to him on the roll. Into the paint he goes. Out for Lee. Wide open for three. Got another one. DA set him up and D. Lee knocked it down. 15 off the bench for Lee. Sun's back up five. They're just ready for that moment. By his demeanor, when teams double off him leaving him wide open in the corner at the top, you know he
4: takes it as disrespect as he should. Um, you know, he's not scared to let it go; he lets it go, and every time he shoots it, I think it's going in.
1: Damian Lee three three pointers in the fourth quarter last night. Eleven of his fifteen in the fourth quarter. He certainly contributed big to uh, what was a tight game and a good win for the Suns in mm-hmm. Sacramento. They win one twenty-two to one seventeen last night. Um, Damian Lee has been. Spectacular. I mean, the, number, at, yeah, the numbers are not huge, but when you look at the impact of what he's doing, especially in fourth quarters, and it started on opening night against Dallas, and it's been consistent throughout the year. Right. Uh, great acquisition, in your words, perfect way to put it. I don't think people really gave it that much stock. Damian Lee was like a forgotten guy from a championship team in Golden State. So you're adding that guy who's got the championship culture experience. Mm -hmm. But, man, what he's done on the floor for this team, he's a guy you can count on every night so far. This
2: is is (sighs) – It, this is a tribute to James Jones because James does not act or think or see the game like a lot of other NBA general managers. And he saw, he, he looked at Damian Lee and said, "That is a perfect fit," and he was right. And he's been right about Jock Landale, and he's been he's been right about um, replenishing this bench. He's been right about having enough stuff to win now, even though Jay Crowder is still uh, off on the sidelines. And so I'm, I, I'm very impressed with. Uh, What has taken place so far, whether or not this team is built for the postseason, we're going to find out. I I do think there is going to be some substantive changes to this team. Uh But for now, they're doing everything you'd want them to do. Yeah, Damian
1: Lee has hit 39 three-pointers this year. 22 of them have come in the fourth quarter. If you look at, at guys with more than 20 attempts in a fourth quarter, three-point attempts in the fourth quarter, he's got the highest percentage of the league. He's shooting 61.1% from three-point range in, in the fourth quarter alone.
2: And that is got, he has got
1: to cool off because he has never been this efficient before. No, but it, it, the, the good sign is it's not just the fourth quarter. I mean, he's one of the top three-point shooters percentage-wise in the league right now. Mm-hmm. You're right. This might be a spike And those spikes happen. Ride the spike, the outlier, as long as you can. And they're doing that right now. Monty Williams also had a lot of praise for Damian Lee last night. You
4: know, when you come from a program like Golden State, we know guys aren't afraid of taking those shots. And we always talk about big shot makers. I'm also inclined to... I just love guys who are willing to take those shots. I like big shot takers, and I think he's one of those guys He's not afraid of the the results. He's not afraid of the consequences, and I think a lot of it is his makeup, but also just being in Golden, Golden State's programs. If, if you're going to be in that program, you're going to be in a ton of situations where guys are taking big shots, and you have to be willing to live with those results.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of jokes going around on, on social media about it, too, and, and we had the jokes for a long time, and certainly here locally. Hey, if you've ever shaken hands with Sean McVay, you're going to get a job mm-hmm. uh, in the NFL as mm-hmm. a, as a head coach. People are joking around about, hey, marry into the Curry family and your shooting percentage goes up. Right How about
2: that. <laughs> hey, we'll take it. <laughs> Listen, and and it's I was and I've told the story before, but I'll I'll, I'll say it again. I, w- once they acquired Damian Lee, I'm like, okay, I remember this guy didn't play a ton in Golden State. Why is he available if he? And then you saw Steph Curry rave about him, and then you had to say, okay, but he's family, so of course he's going to say that. And then I started asking around, and there was mixed reviews on this guy. He's been fabulous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. I I, th- I I think it's just a great acquisition, and it's just something that speaks really well to, again to James Jones and what he saw as fits to this to this culture. And we've seen how important this culture is, and, and sustaining it is is an art in basketball. It's
1: hard to do. Yeah. But I think also Damian Lee represents something uh, in terms of the, his absence from Golden State. They won the title last year. They, mm-hmm. they brought their core back. They've, you know, they've got a ton of money tied up in contracts, and their luxury tax figures are off the charts. But from a chemistry standpoint, they have not been the same. They're starting to get it together. They're above five hundred right now. But losing guys like Damian Lee, Nemanja Bjelica. Gary Payton II. The they haven't kind of figured out how to replace all those guys yet. Um, so they still have their core of stars, but the young players that they were counting on, they have not developed to the point, you know, the James Wiseman's and Jonathan Kaminga's and Moses Moody. Mm-hmm. They haven't stepped up, I think, the way that they were expected to. So, not only is Damian Lee paying dividends for the Suns, his absence is
2: kind of costing Golden State right now. Yeah, I think they miss him. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. And so then the other big story out of last night as well is Devin Booker with a uh, with a performance that reminds everybody uh, who he is in today's NBA. I find, it, I find it fascinating that this MVP debate is going to include Luka and Devin Booker, who really kind of are tied together after last year's
1: postseason. Well, and Luka's putting up big numbers. The Mavericks are not winning a whole bunch of games. And last night's performance, and I think there's some truth to this, because Devin Booker has not been in a real hot streak until last night. Early in the game, he got hit with a technical, mm-hmm. where he got called for a foul. He bounced the ball to the official, who wasn't looking. It wasn't a hard bounce. And the official got in in his feelings, to use that expression, and called the technical. You see the replay, and you're like, really? It's probably a technical that's going to be rescinded by the league, quite honestly, because it was that light. It was that weak of a technical. Mm-hmm. But Devin Booker then just flipped on a switch, and it wasn't just offensively. I don't know if I've ever seen Devin Booker fly around defensively like the way we did last night. Steals, steals. He was filling passing lanes. He was, you know, attacking, getting, getting into lanes and and challenging shots. He was everywhere last night.
2: What we uh, what we don't give Devin Booker enough credit for is is how he has stayed in remarkably good shape. And Mm -hmm. in fact, that pretty much applies to all the Phoenix Suns. You know, I mean, it's uh, and that can be a worry with other teams. Oh yeah. And so I it it's I, you got you've got to give him all the props in the world for playing both ends of the floor with the energy that he's exerting on both ends of the floor cuz he understands he understands in what he is pursuing individually the acclaim and the legendary status that he wants. He's got to do it on both ends of the court. You can't have that status without doing it on both ends of the court. Well,
1: we can uh, enable to uh hate from around the league after after last night's game, some social media posts. DeAndre Ayton doing some squats in a in a towel mm-hmm. in the tunnel. Damian Lee doing some push-ups, I think wearing flip-flops mm-hmm. in, the, in the tunnel. Fans are going to look at that. They're yeah. not the only I, team. This happens all around the league, but for some reason, the Suns are the only team where these videos get released. It's weird.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 unfortunate because yeah, you, you do know how those things are going to be received. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: The try-hard Suns. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Keep trying hard. It's working right now. Five in a row. Uh, You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell gets us up to date on the big stories of the day. The Rush Hour reboot is straight ahead. It's Pickley and Murata mornings on this Tuesday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams.
3: Very happy Tuesday to all of you listening to Bickley and Murata Mornings. It is Mustache Not a Mustache Day every single day, every single Tuesday. I get hyped about it. And
1: sometimes on Wednesdays.
3: Sometimes on Wednesdays, that's right. <laughs> uh, this is the Rush Hour reboot, though. You've got to wait a couple more hours for Mustache Not a Mustache. We take you through the top stories of the day every single day at this time. I am Sarah Kazell, doing so with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Morata. Hello, my name is... Your name is what? Vince Morata. Oh, okay. (laughs) And Jarrett Carlin. We do love the animal fat. Mm. Yes. Sorry, vegans. Sorry, vegetarians. All right. The Arizona Cardinals, uh, as they continue to struggle this season, the fans that are clamoring for a change at head coach are getting louder and louder. And the consensus seems to be that they want Sean Payton to replace Cliff Kingsbury. And that very man went on the herd with Colin Cowherd yesterday to talk about uh, some NFL things, some college football things, and they very briefly touched on the Arizona Cardinals. Colin Cowherd asked Sean Payton if the problem in Arizona is fixable, and uh, he didn't give really a straight answer. He just went on a bit of a tangent to talk about his own personal connection to the Cardinals back when they were still in St.
0: Louis. I was a ball boy for this team. Back in, I'm going to date myself, but when the St. Louis Cardinals, before they were the Arizona Cardinals, their training camp was held at Eastern Illinois where I went to school. And so the early years there in uh, 83, 84, 85, it was Finn and then became Gene Stallings. You know, we we clean the rooms, bring towels to the rooms. We'd have a summer what job. the Neil Lomax team? Neil Lomax had just taken over for Jim Hart. Um, Mr. Bidwell Sr. was the owner at that time. And, and I, I, I think I know that family well enough. And... Um, Shoot, Joe Buck was. I was eighteen or nineteen, and he was sixteen. He was there, and then finally, my junior senior year, I handed out rosters and, yeah. and got to eat with the team, work for the team.
3: Okay, so he oh, knows interesting the Cardinals. Well, exactly. <laughs> was there some strategery there? Was Sean Payton planting a seed with the Cardinals and the Cardinals fan base? I,
2: I'm sure he was. I, again, as Vinny pointed out, these ball boy these ball boy routines they're very meaningful and they connect a. a A player, or a fan, or a coach, to to the team in ways that that you know it's it's a way of saying that franchise is a special place in my heart. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think there was definitely
1: some strategy involved with uh, with with Sean Payton bringing that story up. I mean, the the Cardinals are a much talked about team right now because of their dysfunction. Let's Mm -hmm. call it like it is. And that dysfunction, some people are speculating, could lead to a coaching change. Listen,
2: Sean Payton is a is a candidate for these jobs. Sean Payton is an impact coach and and serendipitously he decided to take a year off yeah. from the Saints yes. and the fact that he's available and the fact that he he's targeted a, reportedly a couple of teams and one of them just beat the, the Cardinals. That, that too, in the long run, can be the best thing that happened to this franchise. The fact that, that the Chargers the won? The fact that they lost that game at the wire to the Chargers. Uh-huh. Because if, Brandon, if you're Sean Payton and you're looking at the Chargers and you're looking at the Cardinals, you would want to go to the Chargers. It's it's L.A. There's a huge ceiling on what you might be able to build. And you got a quarterback who's more than Kyler Murray. But if Brandon Staley keeps his job and that call, that two point conversion, it's changed everything for him. So if the Chargers go on and make the playoffs, they're not firing the head coach. But we have to admit, too, look, the, the Cardinals' job is not
1: open right now. No. Yes, right now, what are, there's two jobs open. Indianapolis and mm-hmm. who else fired their coach? I can't even. Oakland, remember. Uh, Oakland, Las Vegas. They didn't fire their coach. No, they didn't. No, no. he's still there. Oh no. Um, but there's going to be there's going to be more. I, I agree with your points on the Chargers. Like yeah. I said yesterday, Brandon well, Staley's stock went through the roof with that decision and that mm-hmm. execution to win that game. And you know they're they're above 500 and in, in the playoff hunt. But there's going to be plenty of jobs open. But I yeah I think Sean McVay. But
4: he wouldn't want to go to Denver. You wouldn't want to go take over Russell Wilson. I don't think he would, okay. unless in his mind it's like he's still thinking about Russell Wilson when he was a coach, or if he's watching what him.
1: Denver's doing offensively and going, "Oh, this is such an easy fix." Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. There's going to be plenty. There's going to be plenty of opportunity for oh, Sean sure, Payton to get sure. in, yeah. and it won't just be in Arizona if this job opens. Uh huh.
3: yeah, that's right. And again, big the Panthers. If yes, that's it. oh, there we are. He's not yes, going Matt. there. Oh yeah, Matt Rule, and he's already employed somewhere else. He was yeah. introduced uh, yesterday with yeah. Nebraska. We
4: call it the old Herm Edwards move.
3: <laughs> but again, Although, it, it wasn't even seven weeks for her, was Sean it? Sean Payton is too smart to go someplace
2: without a quarterback in place. I'm just saying that right now. There'll be no shortage of suitors. I acknowledge that, but he is too smart to go anywhere without a quarterback in place. Why do you think he's not in New Orleans this
3: year? Hmm? Uh huh. All right, let's get to the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker scored 44 points last night in the Suns win over the Sacramento Kings, 122, 117, 44 points, eight rebounds, and six steals for the man, and then 17 points and 12 rebounds for DeAndre Ayton, who yesterday was named the Western Conference Player of the Week for the first time in his career. Uh, He's had a really impressive stretch, obviously. That's why he got the award. 20 points against, or excuse me, 28 points against the Pistons on Friday plus 12 rebounds 29 and 21 against the Jazz and then uh, last night like I said 17 and 12 how encouraged are you by the quality of DA's play with Chris Paul still injured and out
2: um, we're going to get into this more I, I firmly believe that that Patrick Beverly <laughs> might have done the sons a huge favor you're reading my mind Beck. yeah well that, Well. <laughs> right I mean because I don't think this year has been this season. Seamless evolution of DeAndre Ayton. I agree with that, too. Okay, that push in the back when he got punked by Pat Beverly, uh, somebody's gotten to him, uh, and he's either realized what that means, or somebody has explained to him what that means, and he's been playing with much more force ever since. Wow. I was going to say the same thing. Chris Paul's out, but there's a point guard maybe responsible for all
1: of this, and that point guard is Patrick Beverly, who's Mm -hmm. been on uh, the sidelines for the last three games with the suspension that he got. Um... And I hope, I honestly hope it's related. We've been waiting Same. for something to trigger DeAndre Ayton, that inner beast he's looked. And again, Bick says this all the time. Throw the numbers out with DeAndre Ayton. What does it look like? That, yeah. The numbers have been fantastic, but it looks different, oh, too. He looks, looks like he, he looks like he's mad at his opponent, and it, it, that's yes. a plus. Uh, yes. And sign us up for that. Yes. Right?
3: Is that not what we have been asking oh, for on this God. here show? Right. right. For a bit now. All right, the Cardinals, uh, as you pointed out earlier in the show, Vince, the Cardinals have some meetings today, and then it's 1-2-3 Cancun or 3-2-1 Cancun. No, that was funny, 30. That was very funny. Uh, until <laughs> next Monday, they're on their bye week run right now here is Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury sharing how they're gonna handle their bye. Yeah, we'll do some uh, self you know scout breakdown type stuff mm-hmm. and they kinda see where we're at for these last five personnel wise um, how we can uh, improve in certain areas and, and then uh, take a few days and then come back and get ready for that Monday night game. All right so the players have almost a full week in the middle of their busy season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is your dream bye week? What would you do with the full week off in the middle of your busiest season? How would you? How would you spend your time? i uh, get back to me in a week. I'll let you know. Hey,
2: yeah, you got Today's your Thursday, huh? Yeah. Um, well, Vic's right on the precipice of his bye week. <laughs> you know what the answer is. Anyone who does morning radio, it's sleep. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> right. You just reacted the way Jarrett normally does to food. Yeah, I could sit oh. here and... Oh, oh sleek. I could make
1: all these grand proclamations <laughs> about this dream vacation that I would take, but anybody who ever listens to this show knows I never do You're that. You're not no. a
2: vacationer. You're not a vacationer. No,
1: not a traveler. No, I'm not a... Pl- it, it's the planning that really does me in.
3: Okay, if, if I that were right? to plan a basic trip for you, would you take it? Like, if I tried to send you to San Diego for a weekend, would you go? I mean, I, on your dime, of course. I, I'm not paying. No, I, I I can plan that.
4: Travel agent. Right. Okay.
3: I just. I don't have something more complicated. You lack motivation, Murata. Yeah. It's like sleep is the correct (laughs) answer.
4: A weekend cutter.
3: A weekend cutter. Oh, I hear it's gorgeous this time of year. (laughs) Yeah, it's like 196 degrees. Yes. Uh, Have no opinions on anything. Good luck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. We're all rebooted. Rush Hour reboot every morning at uh, 7:30. Coming up next. We'll take a look at the updated NFC West picture, and it appears that some separation is really happening. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Tuesday here on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader, Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. At 12 weeks to the books in the uh, NFL and in the NFC West, The Arizona Cardinals have a distinct place, and that is third place right now at four and eight. And I think really the only reason they're in third place is because of what's going on with the L.A. Rams. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, Beck, the worst defending Super Bowl champion in the history of the Super Bowl.
2: I actually saw a link that I could not believe I was reading. Is Sean McVay on a hot seat? I thought, wow. Really? A year after winning a Super Bowl? Can I... Can I chime in on that? Yeah. I don't think I, I think the seat might be
1: hot, but I think it might be him turning up the heat. He flirted very hard with broadcast television oh, last year. He did, that is right. And this year obviously has not been the follow up they wanted. I don't know what to expect from Aaron Donald moving forward, he's hurt now. Matthew Stafford has had a nightmare season. Mm-hmm. Uh Cooper Cup's out for the season. This might be a time at age 36 for Sean McVay to cool things off, go into the broadcast booth, make a boatload of money, and then recharge his batteries maybe three or four years down the road. I'm just saying, he might be making the seat hot on himself. That's interesting.
2: I I do think that people will look at that. I I always thought that that flirtation with the broadcast booth last year was nothing more than a money play to try to get what he wanted from Stan Cranky Cronky, however you pronounce his last name Croenky <laughs> Croanky. <laughs> so uh, yeah no but that's that's an interesting take on it uh, it would also it would also look kind of I don't know kind of bush to win a super bowl and then oh the, oh yeah adversity i don't want any part of this
1: it would have been worse know. if he had done it after last year and the Rams were still in the same situation that they're at now.
2: Yeah, no, how about it? So it it's this is uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who have seen the effects of a Super Bowl hangover and th- this this team had it written all over them. They had the quarterback who had spent a year uh, a career in purgatory finally liberated goes to a new city. Completely different, you know, because L.A. has a different effect on people. I don't know if you notice that. Phil Jackson, if you remember him when he coached the Bulls, he looked like he was 150 years old. In Chicago, he goes to L.A. Next thing you know, he's tan. He's got the sole patch working. Yep. He's got designer glasses. Joe Torre left the Yankees. He looked 180 years old. He goes to L.A. He's tan. He's driving a convertible. You know he looks everything 120 about twenty. You know, yeah. Old. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so what I'm saying here is, you know, in the case of of these kind of things, this team from the quarterback to the head coach to the Aaron Donald to the size of that championship ring they unveiled. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> to a fan base that isn't there to fuel them, really? They also played well at the right time last
4: year. It's not like they spent all of last season being this dominant true. team. No, oh, They had that they stretch kind of, early yeah. in the season
1: where Stafford was throwing a pick six every week and they were losing games. And
2: they almost coughed up that game to the Bucks after winning, leading that big. They barely beat the
1: 49ers. And let's face it, too, to Jarrett's point, the deadline they went out and they got Von Miller... They got Odell Beckham Jr. earlier on. Those guys were instrumental in in that team's success down the stretch. Neither one of them is there now.
2: Speaking of Odell Beckham Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Oof.
1: What a wacky story that was.
2: Well, especially at a time when this is right about when teams were looking to maybe make a bid on this guy. Right.
1: He's being courted right now. So in in, in case you don't know what we're talking about, Odell Beckham Jr. over the weekend, I think it was on Sunday, was on a flight from Miami to Los Angeles. And according to the flight crew, was in and out of consciousness on the flight and mm-hmm. didn't have his seatbelt on. So they kept trying to wake him up, and he wasn't responding. He wasn't uh, uh, obeying uh, the request to put the seatbelt on. So they contacted police because they were concerned about his health on a five-hour flight. Um, so the police show up, and they escort Odell Beckham Jr. off the flight. Mm-hmm. Now, after the police showed up, I guess there was no resistance. There was no real scene. There was video of him being escorted, you know, from from the jetway uh, back into the terminal. Um, and he said, "Oh, I can't believe what just happened to me." Comedy hour, blah blah blah. And Somebody who was on that flight responded, "Yeah, real funny to you, but not real funny to the people that got thrown off the plane How that about was just that? trying to get home on a holiday weekend." Yeah, why did they have to evacuate the
3: plane because of him? Something
1: something's not being reported there. Yeah, I think you're right about that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, the lawyer just calls it an overzealous flight attendant. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not sure a flight attendant just for the heck of it would want to. No. Yeah, this didn't plane. sound like
1: normal sleep. Like it was induced by something else. But yeah. then to see him walk out, he looked perfectly fine. Totally. It was strange. Yeah. You're um, right.
2: There's something not reported in this story. There's yeah. something different about it.
1: Uh, the top of the NFC West belongs to the San Francisco 49ers. They're rolling right now, although they're still dealing with some injuries. Did you see this stat on the Niners? They have not given up a second-half point since Week 7. That was when they played the Chiefs. The Chiefs had a field day in the second half of that game. They scored 30 points against the 49ers in that game. But since then, on Week 8, they outscored the Rams Mm -hmm. 21-0. Week 9 was their bye. Week 10, they outscored the Chargers 12-0. Week 11, they outscored the Cardinals 21-0. And Week 12, they outscored the Saints 3-0 they've outscored their last four opponents 57 nothing in the second half
2: it's it's remarkable they were leading uh the Saints last week 13 to zip in a game that generally uh, you're beating the Saints 13 zip you're thinking oh you're, you're cutting things close here this is this is very much like those Ravens teams like the 85 Bears. It, they're ahead if if they're ahead by six points the game's in the bag it feels like seems like it. their defense has been insane in second halves of games -hmm just they just come out like a different team, and they certainly did that to the Cardinals.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that game was way different after halftime. It was you know still appearing to be a football game at halftime. Yep. One thing we didn't get into last week uh, because the short week for the holiday. Speaking of the Forty ers Charvarius Ward um, went on the, the Niners post-game show after the win over the Cardinals in, in Mexico City. And we, we talked about this briefly, but he referenced uh, De- his matchup with DeAndre Hopkins, said he doesn't respect him, said he was doing dirty stuff the whole game, and um, called him steroid boy. Yep. This was on the post-game show. So we're mm-hmm. reading about this. We're trying to get, the, we got, well, we gotta get this audio. The radio station that airs the, the post-game show is like, no, we scrubbed all the audio. We're not sharing it with anybody. We, we want to move away from it. Oh, this. yeah. The team wants to move away from this. Oh, yeah. This. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? DeAndre Hopkins' response was unbelievable, too. Basically saying, I pray for people like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and look, that Week 18 matchup in Santa Clara is going to probably mean nothing to the Cardinals. It still might mean something to the Lord. 49ers in terms of, of, of playoff seating. Mm-hmm. But I can't wait to see DeAndre Hopkins in that game that might
2: get ugly Uh oh yeah oh no this is this is going to be fascinating um it was interesting too how that station and you could and you understand it when it's a host station covering a team in the good times because you certainly don't want to upset the team in the good times but but the but the fact that they said hey i'm sure the audio is out there you can find it we just can't be the ones to give it to you and guess what we couldn't find couldn't it. Couldn't find it. No. Did you look, Jared?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all, even we Sarah, it and Sarah. Sarah looked. even looked, so you know it actually was looked for.
3: That's right. <laughs> it was what actually made I'll it. I'll get intent. around to it later. Right, right,
4: right. <laughs> it is just another one of those things, though. Like um, the study clause. You know, the P.E.D. suspension opens you up for people to comment on you like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And it's just another, I won't say distraction, but it's just another thing that people can talk about.
1: It will follow DeAndre Hopkins for as long as he's a dominant receiver. There, There's always going to be that doubt. And that was one of the poignant things that came out in Hard Knocks. I can't believe I'm saying poignant and Hard Knocks in the same sentence. But when DeAndre Hopkins was having the conversation with Sean Jefferson about, hey, is this going to affect my status for the Hall of Fame? Right. Because it's he knows it. It's I know. Gonna, it's going to follow him. I know. And after the season, we're supposed to get more details on what exactly happened. I don't know why after the season, but.
2: I, I thought, yeah, and, and again, I thought that was a very interesting thing because in Hard Knocks, uh, Sean Sh- Jefferson's response was was just, oh, yeah, oh, of course. Oh, yeah, you'll be in, you'll be in, you'll be in. And it's like, I, I don't think that's the answer DeAndre Hopkins was looking for. I think he was looking for, you know, real mm-hmm. honesty. Yeah. Not to be gassed up by a coach, yeah. because because that right there is exactly as you pointed out. That's exactly what DeAndre Hopkins is afraid of. Yeah.
1: I don't know, DeAndre. I think you might you might want to be worried about that. I, I, can you think of any suspended players for performance enhancing drugs? That it are doesn't in the happen that
4: much in the NFL. It doesn't. Like who's the most prominent
2: um, one? Patrick like, Peterson is going to. I wonder if he wonders. Like, He's, look, pa- Patrick, Patrick
1: Peterson for all the, the 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 you know vitriol from from Phoenix to him now. He's had a Hall of Fame career.
4: Patrick Peterson yeah. and DeAndre Hopkins are probably the two most prominent players ever. Philippi... Sean right. Merriman back yeah, in the day right. was Rodney dominant. For, was it Rodney Harrison?
1: Uh, Rodney Harrison was a really good player. I think he got wrapped up in it. And I, I have to do some more research on that.
2: But That's I think, interesting. Yeah. They both happened to Cardinals. Mm-hmm.
1: I have to I remember to ask uh, Mike Sando next time we have him on. He's a Hall of Fame voter. Ah. See how much discussion that gets. Let's see what he thinks. In that, that closed room... On Super Bowl weekend. Uh, coming up next, we've reached the halfway point of the Tuesday show. Bick's gonna kick off the Fire. second half, and it won't be a squid Fire. kick. It's gonna be a boomer right through the end of the, the, the back of the end
0: zone. The blast is next. It's Bickley and Marotta mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.